Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, Hamble out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Goal. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's oh. kicked the goal from inside the centre. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to the SC Playbook AFL podcast for round four of the 2022 season, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. My name is Eddie, I'm going to be your podcast host for this evening. Joining me today are a couple of legends in the Supercoach game, one a brand new addition to the SC Playbook podcast, Charlie, how are you going? Yeah, good thanks Eddie, good to be here and hey Bandit. And we've got Bandit there on the line as well on the right-hand side of my podcast dial. Bandit, how are you travelling this week? G'day, boys. I'm going well. Looking forward to having a, a debutante on the pod. Nico's uh, out of action this week, so looking forward to having uh, a rookie on the on the pod. Yeah. A rookie indeed. Well, I'm going to throw to you first, Charlie. I want to know how you went this week. What was your score? Where were you ranked? How are you feeling about things? Yeah, didn't have the best of weeks, I don't think. I, I scored 21.60, which off face value isn't too bad, but... It moved me down from the 16,000s to 21,636. And that came off the back of a pretty bad Paddy Cripps uh, game. You got, got burnt by Cripps got, as well. I think it was a common story. Cripps. Yeah, so that, that killed me. And then um, Bowie also with a 47 um, didn't or hasn't quite lived up to the expectations that I put on him when I, when I did trade him in. Well, I'm going to give you the chance to have a crack at some of your heroes and villains in a second. Um, yeah. It does, does sound like 22.50 was thereabouts in terms of um, the the uh, average score for this week in terms of what you needed not to move down. Bandit, I know you had an absolute stormer of a weekend. Run us through it. Yeah, pretty healthy week uh, for, for my team this week. So I scored a 2-3-6-5, uh, uh, which moved me up to just uh, inside the 11,000 top overall scorers so pretty good week this week up uh i think i jumped about 20 20 000 spots so that was um that was much needed after the after the previous week which wasn't um wasn't great but uh yeah gorn vc on on thursday night was um was very helpful in in setting the tone nice and early so uh yeah happy days uh you're up and about me you're very much up and about. I was loving it. You were getting around in the chat and you're having a great time over the weekend. It's good to see. Um, I was similarly up and about, as you can probably tell by my my vibe to start this podcast. I scored a 2327, um, 6,000th for the round, now up to 7,900th overall. And I was looking at this today. Boys, I'm only 500 points back of first position. It's on. It's happening. Yeah, it's I'm still pretty, it's still pretty tight at the top, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think having a lot of common players this year definitely has definitely helped keep the points gap pretty pretty close at the top. I think usually at this time of year you'd see a few teams really starting to streak ahead in terms of overall points. But I think you know a lot of teams have got a lot of common players this year, and that's keeping keeping things close. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens from here. Yeah, definitely. I think the other thing I was talking about in our WhatsApp chat the other day was I think that uh, the, the teams that have done really well earlier, the ones with real uniques, like the guys that started with Brayshaw and, and those mm. sort of guys who who the most of the top 50,000 didn't really start with, but it's that, that top 1,000 that had them that are now just sort of being brought back to the pack. Yeah, I saw the, the number one spot at the moment is rocking in their ruck department, uh, Wits and Pruce. So they don't have Grundy, they don't have Gorn. And those guys like... Yeah, they've like skyrocketed, especially in the last couple of weeks. Well, that ruck um, battle is one we're going to get to a bit later in the pod. For the moment, this is the time that I give you boys just to vent to me. I want to hear who are your, your heroes and your villains. Charlie, you first. Who is your premium hero and your premium villain? 
Yeah, premium hero has to be McRae, I think. Um, it was always a bit risky. Well, it always is a bit risky chucking the VC on someone who doesn't score well the week before. Um, so, I mean, last week, 92. Like, that's still a pretty good score, but probably not by his standards. But, yeah, chuck the VC on him. Um, and he he definitely delivered with a, with a whopping 158, um, which I took all the way to the bank. And, and without that, I probably wouldn't have had such a good score as I did. Um, and then my primo villain, I heard you boys talking about him last week. It's Zach Butters for me. So that's mm. back-to-back sub-60 scores. Um, last week was fair enough. You know, I, he got hit in the ribs. He was a bit shaken. So I can let that slide. But two weeks in a row, um, yeah, not good. It's it's a tough pill to swallow knowing that I could have gone Heaney, who's around the same price preseason. And, yeah, looking at what he's doing, not good. Yeah, I think we ourselves on this podcast talked us out, talked everyone out of our, out of Heaney. I, I, I take full blame for that. I, I've been very late to the Heaney train, but it's it's yeah, you've got to jump on at this point. He's looking very good, Bandit. Um, who are your heroes and villains from the weekend? Yeah, I've already mentioned my my primo hero, Max Gorn. Uh, it's pumped out a, a huge one sixty against Port Adelaide um, on Thursday night against Lysette, who, to be fair, did go down injured in that game and looks like he might miss some time. So. Uh, Gorn was pretty much allowed to rope around and do what he wanted uh, on Thursday in Adelaide. Uh, but yeah, VC selection paid off very nicely with uh, a 160 times two. So that was um, that was a big plus. Um, and yeah, I, I tried to avoid going Butters uh, last week as the villain. But uh, yeah, he's well and truly earned it this week. Um, he certainly found enough of the ball. But unfortunately, um, nine of his 23 disposals came in the last quarter when the game was effectively uh, dead and buried. So, uh, yeah, hopefully Port can bounce back this week because, um, yeah, it's clear when when Port, when Port Adelaide get belted, um, his super coach output takes a, a pretty big hit. So, um, yeah, with the news that Wines is out um, for round five, they're going to really need to um, they're going to really need to see a, a step up from Butters this week. Yeah, he's a definite hold for me. I, I think you'd be silly to trade him out at this point. I, I know we were saying on on uh, Friday night it was one of those rage trades you couldn't wait to do as soon as lockout opened. It was that annoying. But yeah, I think in the cold light of day, you probably got to hang on to him. Uh, my primo hero is, was very easy for me this week. Jared Witts, 154. Mm. Um, wouldn't have even been calling him a primo two weeks ago, but I think he's now officially entering that, that premium ruck discussion. Absolutely dominant against uh, yeah a very undersized Carlton outfit that was missing Mark Pitnett, which is yeah interesting that uh, that Pitnett is such a key to Carlton setup. But yeah, Wits was excellent, and then my primo villain was Clayton Oliver with a sixty-eight. Didn't get the job done. Didn't I didn't he wasn't getting tagged. He didn't look like he had anything wrong with him. He just couldn't get near the ball, which is which is very strange for Oliver. Um, primo rookie, uh, sorry, rookie heroes and rookie villains. Bandit, I'm going to throw straight to you. Who is your rookie hero? Who is your rookie villain? Yeah, rookie hero came on Saturday night with Will Brody from Freo. He was absolutely outstanding against JWS. 37 disposals, 21 contested possessions and six clearances. He's been a really savvy recruit by uh, Freo, particularly with with Fife out injured, um, which is something they wouldn't have budgeted for. But, um, you know, at 23 years old, he just has slotted into their age profile. They're trying to build perfectly alongside the likes of, um, you know, Brayshaw, Sarong, uh, Sean Darcy and co. So um, the other plus was his time on ground has been better in the last couple of weeks as well. So if he can continue to maintain that sort of points per minute that we've seen over the first month of the season, uh, we should continue to see some really healthy scores from him, which is um, which is great. He's ranked uh, six, he's ranked sixth in the league for points per minute. 
which blew my mind when I saw that earlier today. He's behind Jeez. only McRae, Gorn, Devin Smith, bizarrely, Ollie Wines, and Ben Ronk <laughs> is the other top six. So take two of those out. He's basically the fourth highest points per minute relevant player in the league. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely airborne at the moment. So hopefully um, we can continue to see um, a few more sort of 90-plus scores from him and really push that price up towards the, um, the 500K mark. Uh, but yeah, in terms of the villain... Uh, Tristan Jerry cops it this week after just six touches and a goal against Sydney on on Saturday Arvo, which was a pretty disappointing performance really coming up against a, a less than established ruckman in, in Peter Adams who was playing his debut game for the Swans and uh, yeah Sherry just for whatever reason couldn't get into the game um, he still had 20 odd hitouts for the day but um, this can be the problem with those sort of ruckmen who aren't really established at, at AFL level um, their performances can vary from from week to week so Hopefully, David Noble sticks with him, um, but we'll need to see a bit more from him next week to keep that, that cash generation going that he's he's um, put on so far. Laddams just got copped a knock to the head as well, so he he shouldn't. there was really no excuse for Cherry not to dominate that game, and he, he couldn't quite do it. Um, I think the positive for Jerry owners is that Goldstein actually looks pretty decent up forward. Um, he's not the typical ruckman that's got no forward craft. He can actually move around there. He kicks goals. He's dangerous. So I, I would be surprised if David Noble swings any changes at this point. Um, Charlie, your rookie hero and your rookie villain for me. Rookie hero, Eddie, you probably know who this one's going to be. It's uh, Rochelle. Um, oh, nice. So, for, so those, for those at context. home, I talked I talk Charlie <laughs> out of trading Josh Rochelle last minute on Friday. He was very keen to get yeah. rid of him and I managed to talk him I, around. I was a second away and, and while I still think that trade idea was good, it just probably uh, should have involved someone that wasn't Rochelle. Um, but no, he, he definitely gets it for me. Um, I can't believe how many people traded him out. So 7.4% did. Um, and he's just proved to everyone that he can score well and he's got the ceiling. And yeah, he restarts his cash um, generation, which is you know super helpful at this point of the year. Um, yeah, I haven't seen yeah, the same... I haven't haven't seen the CBA numbers, but to the eye, it looked like he was moving through the midfield a lot more than he has in previous rounds. So that's a real positive as well. And the Crows were competitive when he was in there too, and he was winning the ball. So I'd be, he, he's going to get some more midfield time going forward, which is yeah, obviously going to be good for his cash gen. Yeah. Um, and then my villain, um, he wasn't on my ground. He, he was on my bench, but it's just a culmination of a lot of things over the past couple of weeks, and that's Joshua Ward. Um, and he... He kind of just looks lost in that Hawthorne midfield. I don't know what it is. Like, it, it doesn't look like he belongs. I mean, obviously he belongs, but he he's kind of slow to get rid of the ball. Um, he gets tackled holding the ball a lot. Um, and his break-even starting to creep up now. So I think he'll be one of the, the first of those uh, rookies that kind of makes way for the new new batch. Yeah, you're spot on, Charlie. I think with Ward, we saw him move out of the centre bounces a bit against the Saints. So I don't know whether the Hawks were just trying to revert back to, you know, the tried and true guys that they've seen um, through the middle at times. But I think, you know, he had about 70% CBA attendances in round in round three and then dropped away to about 18% um, on Sunday against the Saints. So that is a bit of a concern. I think he and McDonald may be looking at potentially drifting back to, um, to the VFL at some stage, often the case is with these rookies that they um, they can sort of stay up at AFL level for a month or two and then they tend to drop back. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens with, with those guys in the next couple of weeks. He definitely wasn't alone looking lost in that Hawthorne midfield on uh, on Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Uh, well, I'm not going to bring him up. James Warple, who Charlie's called a Brownlow <laughs> medalist, a future Brownlow medalist, uh, he was absolutely <laughs> horrific on the weekend. Um, my primo hero, uh, my rookie hero is Hugh Dixon from West Coast. Um, he was magnificent, a very solid 96, which I immediately took uh, as an emergency loophole. 
Uh, he's also looking pretty promising going forward. We're going to discuss this a little bit later, but West Coast have some injury news, which uh, is positive for Hugh Dixon owners. And uh, my rookie villain is unfortunately the guy I gave my rookie hero last week, Mitch Hinge. Uh, just copped a corky uh, by the sounds, nothing more than that. Came off looking very sore. We were very worried uh, that he was going to be out long term, but he looks like he's going to be okay. But that, that score he, he put up on the weekend uh, did hurt my chances just a little bit. Now, boys, um, the reason we're able to put this podcast on every week uh, is thanks to Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. The boys are experts in all types of home, commercial, and car loans. So whether you're a local or living interstate and looking to purchase your first ever home or chase the lowest rate for your refinance, give them a call on 95211611 today and mention SC Playbook for your free tailored expert advice session. Now, lads... Uh, before the podcast, I sent you all a list of uh, the big topics in the Supercoach world this week. Uh, there's a lot going on, as we all know. It's been a, a fantastic start to the year, and there's just a, there's just a bunch of things happening in the Supercoach world. So we're going to go through the big topics for the week one by one. The first one that I'm going to throw to you, Bandit, is uh, Paddy Cripps. Are you an owner? What's the latest you've heard on the injury? Uh, and talk us through all things Patrick Cripps. Yeah, so I'm not an owner. Um, so this hamstring injury was kind of good news for me, I guess. I mean, we, we want to see the best players playing, but from a purely from a super coach point of view, I've had to fade Cripps all the way through and I was sort of hoping that he'd chuck in a low score at some stage and that was um, that was the case on the weekend. So uh, it was kind of good news for me and helped me climb the rankings. But um, yeah, in terms of an update from Carlton, I haven't heard anything today. Um, it did, from what I've heard, look like he grabbed quite high on that hamstring, which is never really a good indicator in terms of um, the severity, usually if they grab sort of um, towards the middle of the the back of the leg, I guess, or a bit lower down, then usually it's not too bad. But when you start reaching high up um, on that hamstring just under the glute, um, that can spell a bit of trouble potentially. So he may be on the sidelines for, for two or three weeks. We'll sort of keep an eye out um, for any updates from Carlton in the next couple of days. But, um, yeah, it sounds like it could be on the on the more severe end potentially and could be three to four weeks out so um yeah a bit of a disaster for those who particularly have traded him in over the last couple of weeks because um he was certainly the the hottest player in super coach in terms of um in terms of um, people trading and trading him in so uh yeah some decisions to be made this week once um once can't come out with that with that update on his um, recovery time frame charlie how are you feeling as a crips owner and someone who did trade to bring him in <laughs> Uh, oh no, I started with him, so um, I, I can't be too upset that he is injured because I probably wouldn't be um, at the position where I am without him. But it is, yeah, it's upsetting um, to see that because I don't really want to trade him. But if it's going to be three to four weeks, like Bandit said, I think that is kind of must trade territory, and I think we'll touch on that a bit later with some some Q and As. But um, all that I've seen is. Um, I don't think he came off right away. So I think he did it and then he, he kept running for a little bit um, and then came off. And, and the Blues have said that they're hopeful the injury is only minor. I read that yesterday. So there might have been something else that's been released today. But um, it could be a bit of precaution. It could be an actual hammy. We, yeah, we don't actually know. So that's the, that's the annoying thing is that there's so much uncertainty around it. As an owner, Charlie, have you have you put any time into looking into where you might go um, if he is out that three to four weeks? Do you know where you're going to go in terms of trading him? Is that is that kind of an awkward price? He's at five hundred twenty five k. So to get to one of the big dogs, you're going to have to fork out 
100K, almost 150 to get one of the massive guys. So is your thinking mm. that you sort of jump on one of the guys on the rise at the moment, maybe a Ben Keys or someone like that, or, or a Rory Laird even before he, he has his first price change? Or, yeah, where are you sort of leaning? I was the first guy that caught my eye um, was actually Took. So he hasn't had the best of starts of the season, but he's already down um, a fair bit in price. Um, yeah, he's down 50.5K since the season started. And I don't think there's any doubting that he probably is in the top five mid-discussion. So at some point in the year, I am going to want to get him in. Um, but I don't know whether to do that this week while he's um, at 627K or wait you know, another two weeks for him to fully bottom out and then pounce. Um, the other guys I've had a look at, uh, yeah, as you said, Eddie Ben Keys. Um, for some reason, I I wrote it in my um, my final word article last year, but I just he is so consistently um, underrated by the Super Coach and AFL fantasy community. Like he's just always under two percent ownership. I don't get it because he's so good. Uh, I think he's one of those eye test guys that you look at him and you watch him play and it's it's really hard to see how he's a good footballer. He absolutely yeah. butch- butchers kicks. That kick inside 50 in the last 10 seconds against the Bombers was just atrocious. <laughs> As a Bombers fan, you could you would not want anyone else with the ball steaming into forward 50 than Ben Keys. Um, with Took, um, he's actually projected to get below 600K in a couple of weeks. Uh, he's got a big break even. I think it's in the 160s or 170s this week. So he, he is going to fall even further, which makes... Yeah, it makes it a tricky decision whether you fork out for him now or you wait um, for a couple of weeks. Bandit, if you did have Crips, where would you be going with it? Yeah, it's a tough one. I'm probably inclined to see what the prognosis is from Carlton. Um, if it's if it's two weeks, I'm probably I'd be looking at holding. I, I just think if you've if you've traded him in in the last couple of weeks, you don't really have the luxury of then trading him out again and then potentially having to bring him back in later in the season if he starts dominating again. So. Um, yeah, it really just hinges on what on what Carlton say. I think if it's th- if it's three plus weeks, I'd probably trade, um, and I'd probably trade to an absolute gun like like Took, as as we touched on. I think what's really important, especially if you brought him in in the last couple of weeks, is that you don't snowball your trades by having to correct and correct again. So if you brought in Crips and then brought in um, you know a Tom Green, for example, who has started the season really well, but you know is still in that breakout phase of his career, um, you know, he could average, you know, 90 for the rest of the year and then you're back to square one in terms of having to correct into that uber primo again down the track. So I think from my point of view, um, that's a really important thing for people to think about is if you are trading, um, make sure that you're trading someone to, you're trading to someone who has preferably high ownership and also who's a proven scorer with a, a durability track record to go with. We're going to touch on this a little bit later, but this this is probably the perfect uh, the perfect time to start looking at premiums that are bottoming out. So those guys who have lost 40, 50K and are about as cheap as you're ever going to get them. And we will be addressing that in a couple of moments' time. Um, the next big topic on my list, though, is unfortunately, again, to do with injuries. Uh, we saw both Mitch Hinge copped a, a corky uh, and Paddy McCartan copped a little head knock. Now, I think we have had some reasonable news on both fronts. Uh, Charlie, what have you heard about the, uh, the McCartan head knock and or the Hinge uh, corky? Yeah, um, with the hinge run, as we, we did touch on earlier, it is just a corky. So I was watching the game and I saw him clutch at the leg and I was a bit scared that it was a hammy um, because that would have been a disastrous week for me. But um, it was just a corky and, and that's always like a positive that, you know, he should be able to play this week if it's not too serious. And 
Um, the other positive out of that is that it's nothing to do with his shoulder. So um, I think we've got to take that into account. And these are, are good signs. If he's going to be injured, it's it's good that it's going to be like this. Um, and then McCartan. No, I haven't heard too much about McCartan. Um, but it was a head injury, was it not? Yeah, that's why it was initially very yeah. worrying. Um, Bannon, I think you had some. You put some news in the chat earlier that you'd seen come through. Yeah, so Sydney, um, by the looks of things, pulled him off a couple of minutes after that head knock happened. Um, obviously, he's got a, quite a history of, of concussion and whatnot, so um, that would have been their immediate concern just to assess him for that. But um, by all reports, they assessed him and he was deemed fit to go back on the ground. So, um, yeah, unless there's some delayed symptoms um, later later in the week potentially, I think he should be fine to to um, to suit up in round five. So, yeah, good news on, on both fronts there, hopefully. My question to both of you is um, uh, we've got McCartan whose break even is 27. His projected price rise next week is somewhere in the 18K to 20K range. Hinge, break even 29, projected price rise is somewhere in the 13 to 15K range. Is this the kind of time that you'd be looking to chop these guys regardless? Um, so is the injury kind of irrelevant? Should we be looking at a McCartan to O'Driscoll or a Hinge to O'Driscoll bandit? Uh, will you be tempted to chop them regardless of whether either of those two guys are out? Um, not at this stage. I think we've seen, like, Rochelle is a classic example of why you don't go early on these rookies. Like, all it takes is one big game and all of a sudden their break-evens back to, you know, somewhere near zero. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm holding fire on those guys. Um, I'm definitely looking at O'Driscoll this week regardless. Um, but, yeah, from my point of view, not moving on, um, on McCartan or Hinge just yet, um, assuming that they both get up this week. Charlie, are you in a similar vein with those two? Yeah, um, pretty much exactly the same as Bandit there. Um, I don't feel any drastic need to trade them, and so I probably won't trade them, but um, it's it's all dependent on whether they do play this week or not. I'm not going to put one on my bench and then field Gibkiss or DeConing. So uh, if, if Hinge misses, I'll, I'll downgrade him to, to O'Driscoll. If McCartan misses this week, I'll, I'll also downgrade him to O'Driscoll. Yep, fair enough. Um, moving on to our next item on the big topics list. Um, I've called this one Ruck Dilemmas because we've got a fair bit going on in the Ruck department. Um, the first little thing we had was Braden Proust came storming out the gates yet again, looked fantastic, was brilliant, and then did the most Proustie thing of all time and elbowed David Mundy in just a... a, a, a it, it's almost hard to call it a brain fade at this point given it seems to happen very regularly with Braden Proust. Um what do you do? I, I know there are a lot of coaches that brought in Braden Proust early this week. What do you do with him? He's got a, he's copped a week. You just have to sit him on the pine and, and play Hugh Dixon or, or Hayes instead. What do you do, Charlie? Yeah, I, I reckon that's probably the the smartest thing to do is just wait it out. You don't want to waste a trade and, and do a complete U-turn and, and bring him in one week and then trade him out the next. That's that's not good for um, the the future of your team. So you just got to stick, stick with it. I'm actually so glad that I didn't bring him in because this was all part of the Rochelle trade. So he, Bruce was going to come in um, uh, and I'm, I'm glad I waited a week to bring him in. Um, and it, it's, it's a funny, it's a funny way to look at it because you'd much rather him, or I think you'd much rather see him get suspended than see him get injured if, if he is going to miss a week. So um, yeah, that's it's all about looking at the positive. Without without looking at the numbers, Bannon, I don't know if you've looked at them previously. How many teams do you reckon Braden Proust is in currently? Oh, you've put me on the spot here. I haven't actually looked at the at the percentages. I reckon he'd be in maybe what forty percent of teams. He's only he's in thirty thousand teams, so he's in eighteen percent. 
um, which to me yeah. seems like a massive number given he's played one game so far this season. That that does seem huge. Um, and I think a lot of those coaches would be regretting bringing him in. Um, would he be a lock if he does come back in and plays the week after next? Are you, are you Is he a lock for you, Bandit? Do you need to find a way to get him in at that point? Uh, potentially, yeah, potentially. I think, um, you know, with I think some more injury news in the Ruck department, which we'll touch on in a little bit, um, has probably thrown that into question for, for a lot of coaches with a couple of rookies looking like their job security might have taken a little bit of a boost in the in the short term. Um, but this is the risk this, this is the risk with with Bruce, isn't it? We know that he's injury prone and we know that he's prone to the occasional brain fart, um, which unfortunately doesn't help us in in the long term. So um, for me, he sort of he feels a little bit surplus to requirements at this stage, particularly if you've got two set and forget rucks that are going really well. Um, but yeah, we'll obviously just have to wait and see um, what happens over the course of um, this week, and then yeah, reassess next now, week when he's uh, when he's available to play. Now, the injury news that you touched on just before was the next thing I wanted to get to. Was the Eagles have come out today and Nick Nat he's got a medial injury in his leg. He's going to be out until at least after the buys. That makes Hugh Dixon very, very enticing. I saw you tweet about this before, Bandit. You almost, what did you call him? A must-have option, or what, what was the wording you used? Yeah, I think I, I think I did call him a must-have rookie, um, and I haven't changed my mind on that. I think he, with Nick Nat out, him and Bailey Williams are going to be the two guys for for West Coast in the short term who are going to have to shoulder a lot of the ruck responsibility. Oscar Allen's still a little bit of a way off in terms of coming back from from injury, and he's probably not a, a genuine ruckman anyway. He's probably more a forward who can who can drift in there at times. But um, yeah, I think Hugh Dixon. Um, after a really positive score on the weekend, looks like he's um, he's must have, especially with with Nick Nat out, um, and that's that's what I mean in terms of Bruce may be surplus to requirements. If if Hugh Dixon's going really well and and you started him, um, you know you could potentially get a similar output from from Dixon at basically half the price of what Bruce was to to start with, and and Dixon was obviously one hundred two k. At the start of the year, so um, you know if you've got Hayes and Dixon, um, you may not need Bruce. Hayes, break-even negative 60, projected to put on another 56 grand next week, which is just going to be really, really, really handy. Um, the other ruck news that you mentioned, Bandit, um, I actually am not fully across this, but it looks like uh, Port have lost Scott Lysette, and that means uh, Sam Hayes is a big chance to come in. Yeah, haven't heard anything officially on this from Port Adelaide as yet, but there was some talk um, that Lysette may have done some some proper damage to that shoulder that he hurt on, uh, on Thursday, and he may be missing some time, so... Um, yeah, there's uh, there's another rookie option potentially on the on the horizon, um, and just with Hayes as well, it looks like Paddy Wright is gonna gonna cop a week um, for a bump on on Will Day uh, on Sunday against Hawthorne. So uh, it looks like he could be straight back into into that St Kilda team next week as well. What a world to live in! We've got all these ruck options. I've never seen it like this before. Normally, you've got the the non playing ruck in in R three. Suddenly, we've got a ruck in uh, in F six and R uh, and R three that are both playing and scoring well. Charlie, have you got Dixon? Did you start with him? No, I didn't didn't start with Dixon, but um, at the moment I'm I think I'm trying to do everything I can to get him in because um, yeah, if Bandit labels someone a must have, yeah, <laughs> you got to get him in. Um, no, so at the moment, yeah, he's um, he's slotted in quite nicely at F six for me. What are your options? Well, who are you trading him for? So um, yeah, I touched on previously. Ward um, just isn't cutting it on my bench anymore. Um, I think is. His cash making days are nearing an end, so um, yeah, he'll make way for for Dixon, and then I'll move Brody up to to M seven. Sounds good to me. Now the next uh, item on the agenda, 
It's only a little one. It's a little one. Nico sent us through to us. And when Nico sends through big topics, I have to include them because the man sees Supercoach like uh, the guy from Beautiful Mind with all these equations <laughs> and things everywhere. Um, it's Matt Rao. Uh, I watched a fair bit of the Gold Coast game on the weekend. I don't like the role he's playing. It doesn't seem to suit him. It's not super coach friendly. And the score he had on the weekend is reflecting that. Bandit, did you get a chance to much watch much of the, the Gold Coast Carlton game? And what did you make of Rao? No, I didn't get a chance to watch this game, unfortunately. But yeah, it's a bit that consistency is a bit of a is a bit of a worry. Obviously, we saw him pump out a, a huge score in round one and he hasn't really got close to getting back to that since. Um, if I was an owner, I'm I'm not, but if I was, I think you've just got to hold. Um, you know, he's he's averaging 89, which is not great, but at the same time, it's not a it's not a disaster. He's still going to make some money. All, all it's going to take is is for him to knock out another you know 90 or a, or 100, and he's going to push that break even back down again. I think it's 68 at the moment, so it's not going to take much for him to keep making that cash. Um, what I think is obvious now, however, is that he's not going to be a season long keeper. So I don't think he, I don't think you can finish your team and have him at M8. I think his ceiling's just not high enough consistently to be that M8 sort of player that we were looking at potentially at the start of the year. So um, he, he will need to be upgraded at some point in, in my mind. Yeah, that's a really good call. And, and that's one that, that is giving me a lot of worries at the moment is I have both Barry and Raul. And the hope was that either one of them or both of them ideally would become one of those M8, M9, M7 sort of keepers. And yeah, it looks like neither of them are going to be that, which means, yeah, basically another four trades you've got to use to get them to get people up and down to get to that price. So that's the major worry with Raul is at what point do you do you cut losses and, and make that move up? Um, Charlie, are you a Raul owner? I am, yeah. Um, and at the moment, yeah, I, I have to agree with Bandit. I just, I don't think it's the most important trade to make. I think there's a lot of other pressing issues that are in my team and are in a lot of other teams. So, for example, that's fixing up, um, you know, your rookies that are, that are drying out, bringing in the likes of O'Driscoll and Dixon um, I think you can prioritise them over over um, Rao, and then um, if you have any underperforming, you know, Uber premiums um, that you want to get rid of and and maybe make some cash there, then would probably prioritise those. Um, as annoying as it is, um, yeah, you just got to stick stick with it. I want to throw an option at you. You downgrade, mm-hmm. get O'Driscoll in this week, go Rao up to Callum Mills, who's bottomed out at five hundred eighty six k. It's extremely tempting to me as a Rao owner. <laughs> Bandit, am I crazy? Oh, I, I don't mind it to be honest. I do. I'm a big Callum Mills fan. Um, what did he score on the weekend? Out of interest, I didn't actually. This is this is off the cuff, but yeah, what what did he score on the weekend? I believe he had one eleven or something similar to that. I'm just checking now. Um, he had on the weekend. Oh, he had a one thirty. Yeah, so Ooh. he he's well and truly back. Jeez. He's gone eighty four, one four seven, seventy, and one thirty. Um, and I dare say his points per minute is quite high, given he uh, he seems to be yeah he was they brought him in slowly back off that injury so he, yeah he's he and he's fully bottomed out um, his break even I think he's in the one twenties maybe low one twenties so he this is going to be the the cheapest price you're going to get him for a while yeah geez it's not a bad option to be honest um, you'd probably look you'd probably need to have no other pressing issues to deal with this week so if you've got Crips for example you probably need to deal with him first. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the thing with starting mid prices, isn't it? You've got to sort of be prepared to cop a little bit of short term pain and hopefully get that that long term gain that we talk about, and either they become a keeper or they sort of make that hundred fifty thousand that we look for from from these cash generation guys to to be worth it. So probably just have to sit tight for now, and um, yeah, hope Real pumps out another big score sooner rather than later. This is another little topic I threw at you boys, mostly because I want options for my my proposed Real trade. Um, what other premium? What other primo mids are bottoming out at the moment? I've given you one with uh, with old Millsy. Charlie, where else where else should I be should I be looking at for, for bottomed out mids? Oh geez. Well yeah, as we as we touched on before, there's um Took Miller. Um so he um well you said there's another two weeks until he gets under six hundred K, so that will probably be the cheapest that, that we ever see him this year, I I would reckon. Um and then yeah, Petrarca's he's he's down. Um so he's only averaging one oh four from his last three matches. So He's probably not the best option to bring in, but in terms of, of premiums that have hit rock bottom, um, he he could even continue to fall for more. Um, one other one Kelly. that I've well, one that I've got my eye on that I really really want is Sam Walsh. He's at six. He's at six hundred and ten k break even one th- one three four. So this week might be the cheapest you get Sam Walsh as well. Bandit, who am I missing? Who do I need to look at? Yeah, a couple of guys who have probably fallen out of the 600K bracket. Uh, Tom Mitchell at 556K. Looked like he might have turned a corner on the weekend, even though the Hawks got belted. He posted his first time of the season, so he might be on the way up again. Um, and this guy I'm not as keen on because I he might have lost a yard or two and he's not impacting games the way we've seen previously. But Paddy Dangerfield at 507 feels pretty cheap to me as well. Um, unfortunately, his scoring is kind of reflecting the price that he's at at the moment. So, um, yeah, he, he would be a very risky play uh, and he'd be more appealing to me if he got DPP status later in the year, to be honest. So I'd probably look to to get him as a forward potentially later on. Yeah, he's really stalled since that 155 against uh, the Dons at the G. Uh, he hasn't cracked a ton since then, gone 59, 92, 70. So I'm not sure I can do Dangerfield at this point, um, but I do really like some of those other options. Tom Mitchell did indeed look back to his best. Uh, Charlie, while I've got you, you're a big Hawks fan. Mm. Um, what's been going on with Tom Mitchell this year? I've been trying to ask around Bandit. Nico can't tell me <laughs> anything. What's going on with Tom Mitchell? Oh, uh, you put me <laughs> under the spot. I don't know. Um I just think it's it's Sam Mitchell, you know, new coach. He he kind of want to bring wants to bring his philosophy um, into the club, and and that is getting the youngsters involved. So that's Newcomb getting more midfield minutes, um, Warpool getting more midfield minutes, even Ward. Um, I just he, like he's st- Mitchell's still as like Tom Mitchell. He's still getting a lot of that midfield time, but he's he's not Hawthorne's main ball winner anymore, and so they aren't looking for his use as much as they were in previous years, especially in his Brownlow year. He's not going to rack up, you know, those 40 disposal games because the Hawks would rather have the ball elsewhere. I think that's a very good answer, Charlie. Thank you for that. Um, one other thing that we, we need to be careful of when, when looking at these primo mids going forward is that the tagging seems to be back in vogue. We had some some glorious tag-free years. Um, our boys are running free and, free and wild off the chain. Uh, it was not a worry at all, but suddenly they're back in vogue. And I, I put it to both of you guys to to find me a couple of teams that we really need to be wary of. So, Bandit, who, who are you sort of really watching closely this year and, and re- avoiding if possible? Yeah, there's a couple of teams that look like they've sort of deployed uh, taggers with some reasonable results um, over the first month of the season. So, GWS are the, are the obvious one. Matt DeBoer's been probably the number one stopper in the game for 
probably six or seven years now, I think. Um, and it looks like they've sort of deployed him onto a couple of players with good effect. Um, so they're definitely a team that we need to keep an eye out for. And that's particularly relevant for Clayton Oliver and Christian Petrarca uh, this week, who come up against uh, up against the Giants. So that's something to bear in mind if you're looking at them as a VC or, or C option. Um, and Geelong actually um, used Mark O'Connor, um, who they've used previously as a tagger against Lockie Neal. On, uh, on Friday night, uh, I don't think he did as good a job. Um, Neil obviously had quite a bit of the footy and still got a lot of clearances. So um, probably TBC uh, in terms of whether Geelong stick with that or not. Um, I think tagging always seems to come back into vogue early in the season. And then um, as we sort of draw on through the year, coaches realise that having a completely negative um, player in your midfield who doesn't really get you any forward momentum uh, when you do have the footy, um, probably doesn't lend itself to to consistent team performances. So they tend to always sort of come back into vogue around this time of year, I feel, and then they tend to drop out again. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of weeks. But I think guys like Petrarca, um, Miller, Lockie Neal last year, prob- probably more so than this year. He looks a bit fitter this year than he did last year. But those guys have shown previously that they are capable of being sat on a little bit. So it's just something to keep in mind going forward. Who does DeBoer go to this week, uh, Petraka or Oliver? It's a good question. I think they probably send him to Oliver potentially. That's think wishful Petrarca, thinking from you, Bandit. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I say that as a Petraka owner. I'm hoping that <laughs> I'm hoping they do send him to Oliver, but I think Petraka maybe has the capacity to lose him playing forward more. So Oliver's more of that guy who just plays in the midfield, whereas Petraka's um, more of that sort of Dustin Martin mold where he can go forward. Um, and lose a tag potentially by by kicking some goals. So I'm hoping that's the way it falls, but we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. Charlie, what other taggers in the league have we missed when it comes to, to looking at these these negative roles? Yeah, I think looking at this week, um, Bulldogs versus North Melbourne, McRae could cop a tag from Kane Turner. We've seen it in the past. Um, a lot last year, Kane Turner really nullified um, a lot of these top players um, not, you know, the Bont-type players, not the Bont or Petrarca, but um, I think he, he did quite a good job on, on Mitchell, I think, um, at some point. And I, I think he tagged McRae last year. Uh, not actually too sure. But, yeah, so that that's one to look at on the Friday night. Um, and then also on Sunday, Eddie, I know you're thinking about bringing in Sam Walsh, but uh, Will and Drew uh, is looming as a potential tagger. He did that a lot last year and, He's kind of made a name for himself in that port midfield as a tagger. So I'd, I would watch out for that. Yeah, good call, Charlie. Um, moving on to our next point. We're going to go, we're going to get through this one quickly. I really want to do it because I find it really interesting looking at the uh, the standings for the season so far. Um, ben, you found a list of the top 10 scorers on Twitter so far this season. I mean, it's not hard to find, it's on the Supercoach app as well. Um, but there's some really interesting names in there, and I'm going to run you through the run you through a few of them. Travis Boak is the second highest averaging, uh, second highest scoring player in the league. Tom Green fourth, Angus Brayshaw fifth, Sam Doherty sixth, Ben Keys seventh, Isaac Heaney eighth, and George Hewitt ninth. Um, do any of those guys stick out to you as clear outliers, Bandit, that should return back to the mean at some point this season? Uh, I think there's a couple. I think Tom Green won't average 120 plus at, at season's end. Um, so he's definitely got some lower scores coming, I think. I think it's unreasonable to think that he can maintain that average of you know 130 or whatever he's got going at the moment. But I can definitely see a scenario where he averages sort of 110 to 115 and be that more than serviceable sort of M8 uh, option for coaches who have him at the moment. 
Um, and the other one potentially is Isaac Heaney. So uh, Sydney said today that Buddy Franklin needs some um, surgery on that finger that he hurt over the weekend. So be interesting to see what the Swans do with his role. Uh, he's obviously been dominating as that sort of high half forward and now with Franklin out, does he maybe need to play as a stay-at-home forward? So I think there's probably some some low scores coming for Heaney potentially. Um, but if you've got him, then you can sit back and, and enjoy the ride. But I think in terms of the other guys that you mentioned, um, they all look like pretty good options. I remember uh, the glory days of where Sam Doherty used to be a, a rolled gold uh, captaincy option from from years gone by. So if he can stay healthy, there's no reason why he can't, um, yeah, why he can't maintain his hot start and, and be a legitimate uh, top six defender. Just something to note uh, regarding Heaney, he's got West Coast and Hawthorne in his next two. So it might actually be an advantage if he's playing deep forward against those guys. Uh, unfortunately for us non-Heaney owners, the other one that stood out to me there was Ben Keys. Um, I know we talked about him earlier. He started the year with a 128, a 149, and then since Rory led come back he's gone 113 and 110 so there is a little drop off uh as yeah as Laird comes back into the midfield as they as they need to use keys as a uh, horrible disposal just a bit a little bit less uh charlie is there anyone else in there that that you sticks out as someone who might not be able to hang around with the top 10 for the rest of the year yeah what what stuck out straight away and especially because he was so high on the list is travis spoke um he's he's a gun super coach player you know that I'm not doubting that, and he's he's incredible. But I just don't trust his longevity. I, I don't know if he can keep his, keep it up this year. I don't know if his body um, is good enough to to be able to sustain, you know, all these games. I think he will drop off at some point. Maybe not too much. He, he might drop off to a 105 average, but um, he certainly won't be able to keep up this. I think he's averaging what 130 plus maybe um, at the moment. So um, and then also, so the the other one is. And I, I'm, I'm kind of sticking to my guns here because I didn't start the year with him and I didn't bring him in, but it's Hewitt. Um, I, I, it pains me to more say. More wishful because, thinking. More wishful thinking. Yeah, but I, I, I'm, not, I'm still not convinced that he can um, put out good scores with a full-strength Carlton midfield. We've only seen it in one game so far this year. Um, and I just think when they've got Walsh, Cripps, Kennedy, Chera, Hewitt, like, where does he fit into that equation? Yeah, I've been pretty hot on this all the whole way through. I don't, I don't think Chera belongs in that discussion. He, he's clearly on the outside looking in for me. Um, I, I'm fully on the Hewitt train, and especially with Cripps out for another couple of weeks, I think he's uh, he's locked in as a, a scorer for the near term. Um, but uh, that's about all the uh, the big topics we've got time for today, boys. Um, and one of the other reasons we're able to keep this uh, podcast going is thanks to topsport.com.au. If you like a punt, check out topsport.com.au. The home of the best same-game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. We're going to be previewing their markets throughout the season. Um, use the code SC Playbook if you're linking up their, your account so they know we sent you. It helps out the podcast. 18 plus only. Gamble responsibly. Uh, each week, boys, uh, I set you guys the task of finding me a market that you like on Top Sport that you can maybe make me a little bit of money on. Uh, last week, I had some absolute heartbreak. I had the Crows women minus 15.5 against Melbourne. They beat them by 13 points, so I missed out on that by a, a lazy little two points. Would have been back-to-back wins for the Crows for me. Nico had Melbourne to win, Sydney to win, and Bulldogs over 10.5, which failed on the Bulldogs' leg. And Bannett, you had Swans minus 42.5, which, uh, yeah, didn't go so well. The Swannies uh, got their, got, had a very good battle against the plucky little North Melbourne team. So, boys, what have we got for me this week, Bannett? What have you, what have you managed to find for me on the top sport markets? Yeah, I'm just going to go one out uh, again this week, I think. Uh, on the back of um, West Coast putting in a very, very spirited performance against the Pies uh, last weekend, I reckon that they are a big chance to knock over Sydney 
in Perth. I'm not going to go West Coast outright for the win, though. I'm going to take them at the line of 11.5. I think that looks like a pretty solid play with um, with West Coast playing with some real spirit at the moment. And no Lance Franklin for the Swans is a big out. So I'm uh, happy to take West Coast to, uh, to cover that line. Very nice. Charlie, what have you got for me? Yeah, maybe a bit of bias here, but um, I actually really like the Hawks at $3.05. Um, I think definitely in the first two rounds, they showed that they can compete with uh, with some of the best. They, they played some really good footy. And um, as history tells us, Easter Monday always provides a classic. So uh, I think it'd be a close game. And I, I just think that the young legs of the Hawks will, will definitely be able to outrun all the old cats. So lock that in for me. Very interesting. I'm, I'm going to go in the complete opposite direction to you, Charlie. I've got a little multi-brewing. I've got the Tigers to win. I've got the Blues to win. And I've got Geelong to win. Uh, so those three, that three-leg multi is paying $3.50, which I think is fantastic value. I can't really see any of those teams losing. Uh, Carlton have got Port Adelaide. Um, I think they'll, be, they'll bounce back and beat them comfortably. Tigers have got the Crows. I think the Crows are a class below. And then, yeah, I think Geelong are probably going to be too good for Hawthorne, unfortunately, Charlie. But uh, I like the choice. You found me a little bit of value. I don't know if we'll be getting on that personally. But, uh, yeah, thank you very much for that, boys. Um, if you want to get on any of those markets uh, and have a punt on anything this season, check out topsport.com.au. Now, time for the part of the pod where we look forward to what's going to happen this week. Um, Charlie, you, we've already talked about your trades a little bit, so I won't go too far over them. Bandit, what are you thinking with your team this week? Yes, my team's in, it looks like it's in a pretty good space at the moment. Um, I am looking very closely at Nathan O'Driscoll. I know he's already had um, a pretty substantial price rise, but that, that sub-affected score um, from his first game is going to drop out of his price cycle this week. So that break-even, if he has another good score this week against uh, who they play, they play Essendon. So if he has another good score, um, that break-even is going to get very, very low. So I'm looking at potentially bringing him in. Uh, I can do that in one trade because I've got Darcy Wilmot on my defensive bench and I've also got about 60 grand in the kitty at the moment. So I could potentially do that as a bit of a luxury trade. Uh, but yeah, aside from that, um, the rest of the team looks pretty solid at the moment um, and I won't be trading anyone else. I do worry a little bit about O'Driscoll. I know he put in a 104 on the weekend. I haven't actually watched him play. From what I heard, he was extremely good past the eye test on a number of levels. I just I hadn't seen it personally. I watched him play he did that first sub-affected game against St Kilda and he was okay, looked a bit unpolished, um, didn't didn't really blow me away. And so the fact that he... I, I, Checked the scores and sorry, he'd scored 104 against uh, GWS on the weekend. Did throw me a little bit. Um, I personally also really want to get in O'Driscoll. I'm not quite sure how to do it just yet. Ward is probably looking like the most likely option. Um, Hinge or McCartan, depending on whether they play. Uh, probably hold the second trade and then uh, I'm planning on going either. Probably Jack Hayes straight to Proust next week is, uh, is on the cards big time for me. Charlie, have you locked in any trades this week or are you still up in the air a little bit? I reckon I can lock in with absolute certainty the board to Dixon trade. Um, I'm happy with that. That looks good. The only other one that I need to um, go away and have a real think about is Cripps and what to do with him. So I'll wait probably till Wednesday um, just in case there's any any other news from Carlton. Um, And, yeah, if it's it's three weeks, uh, he'll probably make way for Took. I reckon. Um, but yeah, all the other options that we've discussed tonight also look really good. So I could easily be tempted by them as well. Nice. Bandit, you're our resident captain's expert. You write the captain's article every week. Uh, where should I be looking for my vice captain and captaincy options? 
Yeah, pretty straightforward week for me this week, I think. Brisbane and the Bulldogs play in the first two games of the round. Um, and with that in mind, I think Lockie Neal, vice-captain, into Jack McRae, captain, looks like a pretty safe uh, option this week for me. I think that's the way I'll be heading. Uh, outside of that, Jack Steele against the Suns looks like a reasonable option. Um, Max Gorn against um, potentially Matt Flynn. Um, again, looks like a pretty reasonable play coming off a big score against Port. Um, and outside of that, maybe Andrew Brayshaw later in the round if you're a Brayshaw owner against Essendon. Essendon don't really have anyone who's um, shown to be that really capable tagger to this point in time. I know McGrath's gone to a few midfielders, but um, he's not like a genuine tagger, I guess. So, um, yeah, if Freo, get on, if Freo get on a roll in that game, then Brayshaw um, could score well there too. But, yeah, I think this week's a pretty pretty safe one. I think Neil into McRae will be the play for, for most coaches. Yeah, it looks likely. Charlie, I assume you're going to be somewhere along those lines as well. Yeah, so I, I do have Brayshaw. So um, looking at the fixture um, list at the moment, I think I can happily lock in Neil as a VC option against Collingwood. Um, he should have an absolute field day out there. Um, and then, yeah, later in the week, um, probably the best option, I reckon, yeah, is is Brayshaw on that Sunday, Arvo. So that's that's where I'm looking. Yep, very nice. Um, now, if you want to keep track of this discussion throughout the week, uh, we're constantly talking on the this WhatsApp group we've got. Um, if you want to join the WhatsApp group, the only way to get on board is to sign up to SC Playbook for $30 for our entire content library for the 2022 AFL season. That gets you access to a stack of exclusive articles um, as well as access to our exclusive WhatsApp group with all of the SC Playbook contributors as well as a bunch of uh, subscribers. There's about 25 people in the group at the moment. It's hopping. Um, people constantly asking questions. Nico can't keep himself off the WhatsApp. Um, he's, he absolutely loves it. Uh, if, you, if you're interested in more content as well covering NRL, BBL, uh, it's $40 for the full SC Playbook package. That gets you yeah access to a stack of extra things every week. Uh, it's a fantastic package. If you love your fantasy sports, um, it's the best way to do it. If you're not interested in that, don't worry. We've got a stack of free content, including this podcast, that come out every week. Charlie writes a good article every week. Bandits all over the captains. Um, I struggle away with some sort of weekly wrap-up at all uh, whenever I can get around to it. Um, it's a lot of good stuff. Uh, now, every Sunday night, we put up a, a post on our socials asking people if they've got any questions for us this week. We love answering viewer questions or hearing viewer feedback. Um, it's all good stuff. You guys uh, help the podcast go around. Uh, we've got a few really good questions come through. Um, I'm going to throw the first one to you, Ben. It's from Jack. Um, he says, what downgrades are on the horizon to, pay, to make cash? And by that, I'm assuming not necessarily this week in terms of O'Driscoll, um, but what are we looking at uh, in the future in terms of rookies that might be coming up in the coming weeks? Yeah, so I've just gone through a couple. Uh, O'Driscoll, as you touched on, is is the obvious one this week. If you do need um, some cash injection in your defence or your midfield, he's he looks like the obvious one coming off a ton last week. So if you haven't got him, I'd be strongly considering him this week. Um, a couple of other ones that aren't too far off the horizon. Um, Jake Stain, Steen from West Coast, uh, not West Coast, from, uh, from GWS has played two games, averaging 58 with a break-even of... 12. He's a defender only, so you probably need to have like a non-playing um, rookie at the moment to to get him in. Um, but with Phil Davis out of that team for what looks like uh, the long term, he looks like a, a reasonable option at 176k. Um, one that really interested me from Sunday, actually, uh, from the Gold Coast was Malcolm Rosas. 
uh, kicked mm, three goals against good. Carlton. Yeah, he looked really lively, didn't he? So um, seventy four super coach points from from that game. So if he if he has another game like that, um, I'll be very interested in in looking at him. Um, he burnt me in AFL fantasy week. last year, so I'm uh, I'm a bit off about <laughs> Rosas, but uh, he did look fantastic on the weekend. Yeah, we do have the luxury in uh, in Supercoach of of having a couple of siders at, at these guys first before we um before we pull the trigger. Unlike uh, AFL fantasy, for those who who do both, it can be challenging juggling juggling rookies on on both. Um, in terms of other ones, um, Ben Miller from the Tigers hasn't set the world on fire with his two games, and his job security looks looks a little bit questionable. Um, and yeah, aside from that, um, Neil Erasmus from Frio as well. Two reasonable scores. Um, so if you needed to trade like a Dylan Stevens or, or someone like that this week, um, he's he's maybe someone you could look at as well. But um, yeah, outside of that, I think we're really just waiting for that next wave of rookies to, to come through, aren't we? And and also for our our current batch of rookies to appreciate to the point where we can um, yeah net that sort of hundred and fifty thousand that we're that we're looking for. I think we're desperately hanging out for the likes of Greg Clark and James Sitas. I think are the next two that. Will hopefully be along at some point. Elijah Holland's another one that uh, will be will be very relevant. I've been sitting on him since round one as a little non-playing rookie, so I'm hoping he comes into the team shortly. Um, Nick B. Charlie wants to know: Under what circumstances would you trade Crips? How long is too long for him to be out? And this is a very relevant question for you as a Crips owner. Yeah, it's been the topic of discussion all night, really. So um, we did discuss that um, probably. Any more than two weeks out, two to three weeks is when you should start considering a trade. But um, it does all depend on who you've got on the bench that that you can use to cover. So if you do decide to hold him, um, but you only have the likes of, you know, Ward or, or Stevens or I've got Brady Hoff. Uh, is that how you say it? Hoff? 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 <laughs> Huff, Hoff I think. on my bench? Huff? I've got... I've got Got Brady Huff on my bench. Um, I don't feel confident in fielding those guys in in Cripps's play. So, um, but if you have Rochelle, he yeah, has proven that call. he can pump out a hundred plus scores. So you could feel safe fielding him um, if it's only going to be two weeks. Um, but uh, I, 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 yeah, I still don't know what I'm going to do um, to answer <laughs> if, that. So if, if Cripps is out two weeks. What do you do? If it comes out today, he's going to miss two weeks. It's a two-week hammy. What are you going to do? I I want Crips in my final team. So come the year end or come come the end of the year, I want to have Crips in, in M6. So if he is in that idea, if you, if you want him in your in your finishing midfield, hold him. But if you if you can't see that and you want to trade him this week, by all means trade him. But don't bring him in in another five weeks or, or anything. That's just a waste of a trade. So you got to stick to it. it it's it's it, you're going around in circles here. You go. I can see this is a great in, insight into your trading process. I reckon I, you've I, made I, about I six different conclusions in the last two minutes. I don't have a trading. It's the it's the toughest decision I've had to make all year, really, and it, it probably will be for a lot of other coaches. Um, yeah, he's he's a gun player, so I think he, he's he's just keep him and and wait and see. I think if it were if it were me, I'd almost be hoping it they come out and say he's out for a month because at least that makes the decision yeah. easy. I think if it's two or three weeks, uh, it becomes a really really tough decision. Um, yeah. Nick B also wants to know, Bandit, have Raul and or Butters been failed mid prices? Yeah, this is a, a really good question. I was thinking about this um, just before we jumped on to to record the pod. I think um, as we sort of touched on before, a lot of people started Raul thinking that he would be that sort of M eight. Um, midfield option for us where he might average 
you know, 110 to 115 and, and be that um, sort of bargain basement turned uh, turned primo that uh, we sort of look out for every year. I think the reality is that's not going to happen. He'd, he'd have to blow the lid off the joint from this from this point out to average anywhere close to 110. So from that point of view, um, if you were bringing, if you were starting him as a, as a keeper, then yes, he's probably a failed, um, he's probably a failed option, but he's still got the capacity to make that 150 K that we talk about, doesn't he? So from that point of view, you can definitely salvage something. You'll have to upgrade him at some point because he's clearly not going to average what we sort of all thought that he might at the start of the year, but you can still definitely salvage something from, from starting him. And it's not a complete disaster. Zach Butters, again, I don't think he's been a complete disaster. He's had two really good scores and two, two howlers. Um, so the, the jury's still out. I think the really interesting thing will be this week with Ollie Wines not playing. They need him to step up big time in this in this poor midfield, um, and we really need to start seeing something from from this from this young group of Port Adelaide, don't we? I mean, they've been the buzz um, team for the last couple of years with these guys like Butters and Rose and, and Dersma, um, and they haven't really taken the next step, have they? So. I think Butters, um, yeah, needs to show a bit in the next couple of weeks. Um, I think he can still average anywhere from, you know, 95 to 100. I don't think that's unrealistic. Um, but, yeah, we need to see a little bit more of him than what we have in the, in the last couple of weeks. And if we don't, then we may need to also look at moving him on. So, uh, Raul is probably a yes if you wanted to start him and keep him. Um, Butters is probably a TBC at this point. Yeah, I think the thing with Butters is that he passes the eye test in that he he looks really, really good whenever he goes near the footy. Um, he just needs to stop throwing himself into stupid contests and either knocking himself out or getting sore ribs, and I think that'll be fine. Uh, I'll give it another couple of weeks before deciding on him. Charlie, last question I've got from Rex. Um, we love Rex. He's a regular contributor. Um, he wants to upgrade a defensive rookie uh, in place of Crips. I assume he's going to free up some cash with Crips and, and get a defensive rookie up to a premium. What's O'Driscoll's job security like? And which of Gibkiss, McCartan, or De Koning would you upgrade and to who? It's a three-part question. Yeah, it's actually a bit simpler than the last one, which is good. So <laughs> um, I'd say definitely after last week, O'Driscoll's job security is incredibly high. Um, not only did he score well from a super coach point of view, but he was around the ground taking marks, kicking goals, um, and he looks like a vital part of that, that Frio midfield out on the wing there. Um, and then out of those three... Um. Yeah, I, I took these notes down before there was any conclusive news about McCartan, but I did say that just because of the uncertainty surrounding his head injury, he's probably going to be the one that makes way for me out of those three. Um, I think you can. Just, chop, I think you can take. I think you can take De Koning off that list. He's break even still minus nineteen. He's projected yeah. to make twenty six k this week. So I think you can take him off. I, I know that his scores haven't lit the world on fire, but he's still got a lot of cash to make. So I think it comes down to uh, yeah. Gibkiss or McCartan, I'd, I'd probably be leaning Gibbs, Gibkiss personally. Um, he's break-even 17. He's probably projected to make about 16K. So uh, that's where I'd be going with that one. Who would you upgrade to is the is the more curly part of this question. Who's the, who's the primo Ooh. defensive option that's bottomed out? Yeah, I've got a couple um, that they haven't bottomed out. But if you have the cash, the number one defenders and you know number two is Daylight, number one, Doherty and Jaden Short. I think if you can get to them, that's the absolute. Um, that's you know that's that's top of top of the pick. Um, those two there, and then Hewitt still very underpriced. Um, Jack Sinclair from the Saints is putting on an absolute clinic. He's averaging 
what is he averaging? One fourteen? Yeah, mid one fifteen, one fifteen sort of range. Yeah, yeah. One sixteen, he's, he's averaging points. Nice. So he hasn't dropped below a hundred all year, and he's an insane pod. I think he's only owned by two point three percent. So yeah, you're looking for a pod. You got Sinclair, and then if you can't quite get to those guys, um, Daniel Rioli, four hundred nineteen k defender forward status. He's gone 111, 107, and 101 in his last three. Mm. Um, there was talk about if it was going to be him or Ralph Smith that takes up the the Hawley role, and and yeah, it looks like it's it's Rioli. So I'm I'm actually really tempted by that. I love it. That's some great options for you there, Rex. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Um, that's about all we've got time for today, boys. Um, thanks very much for your time this evening, as always. Um, we send our love out to Nico, who's a bit under the weather this afternoon. Hopefully, he's feeling a bit better. Um, Charlie, thank you for joining us on your first pod. Um, Bandit, thank you, as always, for being uh, one of our very valuable SC Playbook contributors. Um, we'll see you this time next week, boys. Thank you.